This morning I'm going to be uh, reading to you from the Gospel of John. Now this is an account, fairly famous account, of a time that Jesus had an encounter with a woman at, at the well. Now <clears throat> this sermon won't uh, be able to relate to everybody this morning, just to those who've done really stupid things. <clears throat> <clears throat> I know that's a small percentage of you out there, but... Uh, <clears throat> Those of us who've lived less than perfect lives. Uh, Now let me set this up. Jesus is at this well. He uh, sends his disciples in to go get some food. And they they all went. I'm I'm not sure why they all had to go. I guess it answers the question, how many minutes it take to go to the grocery store? Apparently at least 12. And... uh, So they're all out there, and he's sitting by this well, and this woman comes up to him, or not to him, but to the well, and she's a Samaritan woman, and just the culture of the day is that Jews and Samaritans didn't have anything to do with each other. They're, you know, very separate, and so number one, he wouldn't talk to her just because she's a Samaritan and vice versa. And it just of the culture of the day that he wouldn't engage talking to a woman all by himself. It's just the way things were. Now, this lady is a woman who has a very checkered past. She has been in and out of relationships like crazy. She's been married and divorced five times. And, uh, and is just living with the sixth guy at this point now in her life. I don't know. What was going on in her life, the Bible doesn't really say. Five, six men already. I presume she's a very attractive woman. It's one of the reasons why so many guys would overlook all the baggage she's carrying at this point, just still wanting to be with her. But apparently it didn't last very long for any of them. I don't know how old she is. There's no implication on it. But uh, she certainly has her issues and having a difficult time. Guys were attracted to her, but didn't stay with her very long. Reminds me of the scripture in the Old Testament that says, Better to live on the corner of the roof of a house. Now, stop and think of that. Better to live, you don't even get the whole roof of the house, you just get the corner. Better to live on the corner of the roof of the house, exposed to the elements, than to live in a house with a contentious woman. Is what it says. <laughs> Which I think is kind of funny now. <clears throat> now it's interesting when, when the Bible says that. And he says it again later. Uh, this is Solomon. He said better to live out in the desert. Than with a, in a house with a contentious woman. Um, now it doesn't say who's really at fault when he says those things. It's kind of funny. Because uh, he's, he's not praising the guy's right and the woman's wrong. Or anything. He's just saying look it's better to live on the roof of the house than in a house. So one way of interpreting that is don't get the girl mad. It's kind of the Bible version of when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <clears throat> Better to live on the corner. You know, so, you know, just be nice. So many guys, they tick off their wives. They think, what is the matter with you, dude? You got to live with her. <clears throat> anyway, so who knows what this lady's deal was. If it was her issues, the guy's issues, I don't know. Anyway. She's kind of a mess. So let's pick it up. So Jesus comes to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, uh, Would you give me a drink? And here's where we find out the disciples had all gone into town to buy food. Well, the Samaritan woman said to him, and you know, you don't know the tone of voice in these conversations. It just records the conversations. I've got to assume most of it is sarcastic from the side of the lady. <clears throat> she is an experienced woman. She doesn't take guff from anybody. I'm sure she's got her edge about her. So she's there at the well, pulling up water. The guy's sitting over there. She's thinking, who is this guy? And he says, would you give me something to drink? And she looks at him and goes, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why do you ask me for a drink? For Jews, the Bible says here, did not associate, associate with Samaritans. And then Jesus answered her, you know, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Talking about, of course, <clears throat> spiritual things. Which is really why Jesus was engaging in conversation with her. He knew, being the son of God, knew this lady's condition, which we'll find out in just a bit. He said, hey, if you knew, you'd ask me and I'd give you a, a drink of living water. <clears throat> and then she responds, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get the living water? And probably sarcastically he said, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did his sons and livestock. And Jesus answered, look, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, again, I'm assuming sarcastically, well, sir, give me some of that water. So I don't have to keep coming here to drink this water. And then Jesus said, okay, go call your husband and come back. Now this had to sting in this lady who obviously had had five husbands and was living with the guy now that she's with. Um, I don't know if you've ever been asked a question or a reference to something that you're uncomfortable that you don't want to talk about, that you hope nobody knows about you, and all of a sudden they kind of engage in conversation, you kind of, ooh, this lady had to tense up just like this. As soon as he says, go get your husband. And at this point she says, well, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Now this has got to totally freak this lady out. I mean, how does he know this? Who is this guy? Why is he even talking to me? This is creepy. And he starts to point out the fact, you know, now whether or not, uh, you know, had he heard this from other people? Was he insightful? Uh, so she makes this comment, well, I see you're a prophet. And then she changes the subject, which is very like most people who start talking about spiritual things and they don't like it. So they change the subject, often to try and get in some debate about some stupid religious thing. 
which people are famous for. You start to talk to someone about God in their lives and, and what it means to you. And then you get real smart and asking stupid questions and debating stuff. And who knows and who cares? Or some guys, sometimes people start debating some portion of scripture you've never heard of. You ever had that happen to you? You know, someone who, well, the Bible says blah, blah, blah. Why do you say about that? And you go, what? I, I, you know, and you don't know what, what even to say because they're trying to t- change the subject. You know, they ask theological stupid questions, you know, like, is God big enough to make a rock so large that he can't lift it? I mean, it's like just stupid stuff because they want to change the subject. So she starts to change the subject. She says, you know, well, our, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we should worship is in Jerusalem. So we say we should worship, but you say, where, where should we worship? And starts to try and get this in the direction of a religious argument. <clears throat> Jesus replies, he says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you, what you don't even know. We should worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet, he says, a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Which is something to keep in mind uh, when people give you a hard time about where you worship. And I know some of you who've come from you know, traditional church backgrounds or your family has been like, you know, Presbyterians for eight generations and suddenly you start coming to our psycho church, you know, they all freak out, you know, oh, you can't worship there, you know, oh, you gotta, our church is the right church, of course, the Catholics think their church is the right church, the Lutherans are convinced their church is the right church, you know, the Presbyterians are convinced their church is the right church, the Baptists, they're too busy fighting about everything to think about it, but uh, everybody else is <laughs> Baptist. What's wrong with these people? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I love Baptists and great people. But, uh, but they argue a lot, i got to tell you. Uh, you know, and everybody's fighting about what, look, what Jesus is saying, that's not what this is about. It doesn't matter where you worship. What matters is that you worship in spirit and in truth. And when you come to worship, it's about a spiritual expression. That's why we take the first part of our service and we just sing. Why? Just, you know, not just a bunch of repeating a bunch of words, blah, 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 blah. You know, God's not interested in mechanical worship. He wants you to respond to him with an open heart, an open mind. That's why when you come into a place like this and we're singing, you're supposed to be tuning into God, turning your attention to God, not just staring at the band while they play, okay? You're supposed to be worshiping God. And it's also another reason why you shouldn't just worship in church. If the only time you stop and turn your attention to God in your life as when you're in a church building, that's even a bad place for you. You should be continually turning your attention to God all week long. You don't need to be in a church building. Those who worship God, worship Him in spirit, they do it from a true heart. And then the woman finally said, you know, basically trying to close off the argument, the bait. She says, I, I know that the Messiah is coming, called Christ. And when He comes, He'll explain everything. He'll straighten it all out. And then Jesus does something very remarkable. Now, all the time Jesus is doing miracles and stuff in Israel, people were asking him, are, are you the Messiah? And he would deflect the question and he would just kind of dance around it because he didn't want to be obvious. 
he, he wanted to fulfill the words of Isaiah the prophet who said, you know, uh, that hearing they would never quite hear, seeing they would never quite see, speaking in parables and those kinds of things, and, and they didn't quite get it. Um, so he wasn't, he very rarely do you ever see him say, I'm the son of God, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah. You didn't see Jesus doing that. But yet here to this woman, who is a mess, who has done life very badly. And, and let me encourage those of you, some of you who have struggled a lot sometimes, you, you get your life in such a deep hole, you can actually think God can't possibly care about me. God cannot possibly be interested in me because I have messed up so badly. But here is Jesus, the son of the living God, intentionally reaching out to a woman who even by the standards of this day was a complete shipwreck and trying to give her words of life. Never think that you're in such a deep hole God cannot reach out to you or that he doesn't care about you. And to this woman who references, well, the Messiah someday will come and straighten it out. Jesus declares this next phrase, which is rather interesting. Looking at her, he says, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Something you didn't see very often. Here he's telling this woman, she's getting insight that some of the most religious, very religious people, he would hide from them and not tell them. But yet, the deepest of sinners, in the deepest of pain, clearly said, I am the Messiah. Well, this lady's head at this point has got to be spinning. First of all, here's this guy talking about spiritual things. He knows things about her that no one could possibly know. Who is this guy? And talking now, he says he's the Messiah, and she's got to be just overwhelmed. And first of all, can you just imagine what it had to be like being in a conversation with Jesus? <laughs> this had to be pretty cool, all right? <clears throat> well, just then the disciples returned from the grocery store, all 12 of them. And uh, <laughs> they... <laughs> I don't know why, so, you know, one guy held the list, the other one read it. I don't know what's going on, but... <clears throat> so uh, they come, and they're surprised to find him talking with a woman for two reasons. One, why is he talking to a woman? And secondly, why is he talking to a Samaritan woman? And, but no one asked oh, to the lady, what do you want? Why are you bothering him? Or asking him, why are you talking with her? You know, they were, <laughs> they were kind of scared of Jesus half the time. Because just as soon as they thought they had it together, he'd smack them down because they couldn't quite get things. So they didn't question anything. So the lady then, leaving her water jar. Now remember, the whole purpose of being there was to fill the water jar. But she got so excited. She was so enamored by this interaction, this confrontation she had with Jesus. She leaves the water jar. She goes running back into town. And tells the people, come, you've got to see this guy who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now, you've got to assume this lady did not go to the pillars of the community to make this proclamation. Okay? She didn't hang with the pillars of the community. This lady was a mess. Five husbands and living in sin now. This was not thought of very highly. And she was in a bad place. So I'm sure the people she went to were people who were as bad or close to being as bad as she was. And she started encouraging them. Come and hear this incredible person. By the way, oftentimes you will see churches like churches like ours filled with people or being newer people that are coming in who come from very bizarre 
backgrounds in life. Very strange places because that's what we do. You share the gospel with someone who turns around and grabs someone else and they come, they turn around and grab someone else and they come and usually not the most righteous and holy people in the world, which is a good thing. Churches are not supposed to just be filled with holy people who are extremely holy and that people who are far from God would feel uncomfortable being in. We need to have the kind of atmosphere where people feel comfortable coming in. Okay? That means oftentimes people will come that, uh, you know, you might feel a little creepy around sometimes or they look totally different than you or they got different hair or, or tattoos from head to stern to wherever and, you know, it's all right. Sometimes people will dress very differently than you do. You know, sometimes women, like women, like a woman like this, will come into church dressed, they look like, you know, they just came out of a nightclub. All kinds of things falling out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I say that because sometimes I hear people get mad about that. Other women. You know, women don't like women. I don't know what you promise. But uh, other women. <laughs> other women will get mad and they yell at me for some lady because her Hochi Mamas are flying out all over the place. You know. <laughs> and Which, by the way, keep your Hochi Mamas in. Would you, would you cut us all a break? But... But when you see that, don't get mad at people and don't criticize and, you know. One lady comes up and says, well, she, she looks like a prostitute. What are you going to do about it? I said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to put up a sign, prostitutes welcome. Just blinking on. Eat, 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 eat. <laughs> so all these people come up to check it out. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the disciples were urging Jesus, eat something. That's why we went to town, to bring you something to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples said, did somebody bring him some food? <laughs> Again, not the brightest guys on the planet. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, this part I want to point out to you, to talk to those of you who are very down on life. Life is miserable for you. <clears throat> you have a hard time. You exist from paycheck to paycheck. You struggle. You struggle with depression. Life just kind of just blah all the time. And you don't feel very motivated. And, and life is hard. And this touches a lot of different people at a lot of different times in life. Uh, let me share something with you. True meaning in life is not based... If you try to get your true meaning in life based on your circumstances, trying to get everything just right, the job just right, and the bills just right, and the kids just right, and the wife just right, so of course you're going to be depressed. It's not about those things. You want to try and get them as right as you can, but true joy in life comes from serving others and giving to others. This is why Jesus... Though he was hungry, sends them in, by the time they come back, he's not even hungry anymore. Why? Because he is so fulfilled from ministering to this lady and giving her words of life. Listen, if you feel like your bucket, the bucket of your soul, is as empty as can be, you know what you need to do? You need to get involved somewhere and serve other people. Check with the church. There's all kinds of areas where you can get involved and help and serve other people. You say, well, I can't because I have nothing to give. 
that's why you need to do it. Do you know why? Because when you give, it shall be given to you. And don't confuse the fact that you see people who are giving. You see people who are volunteering and stuff like that. And you know how you sit there and you go, wow, how do they get so much energy? How do they have so much? These must be the people who are just so full. They're just always, that's why they give. No, 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 no. The reason they're so full is because they give. Did you catch that? See, you think these people, they're full of energy and they're helping people and stuff. And you think, oh, man, I wish I was like that, you know. Well, the reason you're not like that is because you don't give anything. You just live your life. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. You wake up too early, you go to bed too late, you got to deal with idiots at work all day long, everything's driving you crazy, and you're half miserable, you're half depressed, nothing works for you. Let me give you a clue. Get involved somewhere. Start giving to other people. Look for opportunities to serve. We'll give you opportunities to serve. All you got to do is ask. And you will find that as you start to give out of what seems to be emptiness and hunger, suddenly you're full as can be. Because if you give, it will be given to you. And Jesus said this to these guys. He says, you know, don't you guys have a saying, it's four months and then comes the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the field. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. That's the saying. uh, One sows, another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. What he's trying to encourage them. Open your eyes. Look for opportunities to help people. You don't know where they're at. God could have them all kinds of places in their life. Other people have done the hard work. What they're looking is for someone to connect the dots for them in life. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons you want to be nice to people and reflect the love of God to people is for because a lot of people, the only Jesus they'll ever see will be in you. Let your light shine, Jesus said. Look around. Look for opportunities to serve and to give to others. You will find then that your life will have meaning. If you're trying to get all your meaning from life, and I'm talking mostly to guys here. You're trying to get all your meaning from life from your work and what you do, you will struggle in life. True life, purpose in life doesn't come from your job. Doesn't come from money. Doesn't come from things. It comes from connecting to and helping and serving other people. Then by this time, many of the Samaritans from town believed in him because of what the lady said. So they're, they're all coming out. So the Samaritans came to him and they urged him, stay with us. And they stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said this to the woman. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Uh, now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. I'm going to invite the ushers to come, get ready to serve communion. Musicians can come back up as we go into our time of communion. I love this. We believe not just because of what you said, but we've experienced it for ourselves. And that is the most important point through all of this. It's one thing to hear how God has touched someone else's life. Uh, God has blessed. So maybe you're here today because someone invited you. Uh, because of what God's been doing in their life. They want you to be able to share some of that. And it's interesting to hear and to see and stuff. But it's one thing to hear about Jesus. It's another thing to truly experience him 
for yourself. It doesn't really mean anything until you experience Jesus for yourself. That's the great news of Christianity. It's not just about hearing about God. It's just not about knowing about God. It's just not about just learning about the Bible and stuff about God. The beauty of real Christianity is that you can actually experience God for yourself. You say, well, that that can't be. I'm, I'm not a very religious person. I'm not very nice. I've done horrible things in my past. That's the point of today's message. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, or what you've done. God loves you. And you can start to yes, and you can start to experience God in your life if you'll just reach out. Reach out to him in faith. Now we're going to take our time of communion here. This is where we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. If we'll just trust in him, this is where our salvation comes from and this is how you begin to experience God. But I'm going to invite everybody to bow their heads in a word of prayer. We pray this prayer always before we take communion together. And if you've never really opened up your heart and really experienced God in your life, if you'll pray this prayer along with us and really mean it from the bottom of your heart, you can start to experience God in a real way yourself. It won't be just about what you heard someone else say. You, like these people, will say, man, we believe because we've experienced this firsthand. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus... I believe you are the Son of God. And that you love me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.